eternal righteous and invisible father in heaven we have come to you today that we may receive the fulfillment of your promises in our lives your word has promised that as many as believed in jesus to them you give power to become the sons of god and we understand from your word that you have a desire to fulfill a will to prepare a people who you shall say of them here are they that keep the commandments of god and have the faith of jesus lord make us instruments by which this will shall be fulfilled in this world we pray father that you will sustain us with the bread and manna from heaven that we will be receiving in the form of our devotion today we ask lord please grant every one of us of your spirit that we may rightly divide the word of truth properly understand it and also put it into practice as for me lord i present myself before you put your words in my mouth help me lord not to say a word wrong help me lord to speak the truth as it is in jesus not to say anything contrary to your word but to give your children uncorrupted bread that may sustain edify and build them up into the image of our lord and savior jesus christ in jesus name i've prayed amen conflict and courage april 28 iron chariots and the children of joseph speak unto joshua saying why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit joshua chapter 17 verse 14 another claim concerning the division of the land revealed a spirit widely different from that of caleb it was presented by the children of joseph the tribe of ephraim with the half tribe of manasseh in consideration of their superior numbers these tribes demanded a double portion of territory the lot designated for them was the richest in the land including the fertile plain of sharon but many of the principal towns in the valley were still in possession of the canaanites and the tribes shrank from the toil and danger of conquering their possessions and desired an additional portion in territory already subdued the tribe of ephraim was one of the largest in israel as well as the one to which joshua himself belonged and its members naturally regarded themselves as entitled to special consideration why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit they said seeing i am a great people but no departure from strict justice could be won from the inflexible leader his answer was if thou be a great people then get thee up to the wood country and cut down for thyself there in the land of the perizzites and of the giants if mount ephraim be too narrow for thee their reply showed the real cause of complaint they lacked faith and courage to drive out the canaanites the hill is not enough for us they said and all the canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron the power of the god of israel had been pledged to his people and had the ephraimites possessed the courage and faith of caleb no enemy could have stood before them their evident desire to shun hardship and danger was firmly met by joshua thou art a great people and has great power he said thou shalt drive out the canaanites though they have iron chariots 
and though they be strong. Thus, their own arguments were turned against them. Being a great people, as they claimed, they were fully able to make their own way, as did their brethren. With the help of God, they need not fear the chariots of iron. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Iron Chariots. We left off in our devotion looking at the story of Caleb. If you didn't listen to that, you should. It's a very encouraging story for us as we go towards the end of time. And for those who really want to inherit the kingdom of God, you will be empowered with that one. We are looking at a story in contrast to that of Caleb. Whereas we saw Caleb exercising faith in the power of God, though he was an old man, and though he had obstacles so great, he surmounted those obstacles. In fact, perhaps the greatest obstacle for the children of Israel, he exercised faith to drive away the children of Anak. Now, we are looking at Joseph's children, the children of Ephraim and the half-tribe of Manasseh. These also had a battle to fight, but they manifested a different spirit from that of Caleb. What is the lessons that we can learn in comparison from the story of Caleb and the story of the children of Joseph? That is what we are going to be looking at today. So we'll dive into it in the book of Joshua chapter 17 verse 14 and reading downward it says, And the children of Joseph spake unto Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit? seeing i am a great people for as much as the lord has blessed me hitherto and we saw the story as we read in through the devotion how that they requested for somewhere else that people had already fought for themselves to take over those places i mean, i wonder how i wonder what was in the mind of these people everybody was given their portion of land and every land was occupied by either the canaanites the hittites the perizzites the amorites the jebusites the anak the children of anak any of them the amalekites but everywhere you go, you and your people were supposed to fight and take over that land. Now, the children of Ephraim and Manasseh were given their own. And they said, they didn't even go to fight. They just neglected the portion that was given to them and came to meet Joshua, telling Joshua, give us another land. We are too great. The place you give us is too small. We need another one. And they were suggesting to Joshua to give them a land that people had already fought and conquered. It was apparent that these people who said they were the ones who, were, who, who did not have faith or felt that to them they can't do the work that the Lord is asking them to do. In Joshua 17 verse 18, Joshua said unto them, verse 17 and 18, he said to them, Thou art a great people and hast great power. Thou shalt not have only one lot. But the mountain shall be thine, for it is a wood, and thou shalt cut it down, and the outgoings of it shall be thine. For thou shalt drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong. What is very remarkable about this story is the leadership of Joshua. I just want to point that out before we go to the story of the iron chariots. It's very remarkable. When you look at the people today in different nations, when they come into leadership, they begin to think that the position of leadership is to be used to appropriate things to their own people, to make things easier for their own families and wherever they come from. That's the way the world thinks. But look at Joshua. He didn't think that way. He is also from the tribe of Ephraim. His own people, Ephraim, came to complain to him. If it was the leaders of today, they would cut corners and use their veto power to take places for their own people that was the best. And yet, by the way, 
Ephraim got the best land as their Joseph's children. So they were given that privilege to have the most fruitful land. It's theirs. But then they didn't want to fight. Joseph's children were always the princes in the Israel. They were the, the ones who were called the soft people. They were the ones who were the most affluent and privileged. So to them, exercising faith in the Lord seemed to be something diff- something hard. But is it really so? Where is Joshua from? Joshua is from that tribe of Ephraim. So why was it that the rest of the children of Ephraim could not exercise faith to go and do what they were supposed to do? They were dissembling, making it look like mm, the land is too small for us. But the real reason they didn't want to go there is because they were afraid to fight. Conflict and Courage 124 paragraph 5 says, The power of the God of Israel had been pledged to his people. And had the Ephraimites possessed the courage and faith of Caleb, no enemy could have stood before them. Their evident desire to shun hardship and danger was firmly met by Joshua. Thou art a great people and hast great power, he said. Thou shalt drive out the Canaanites, though they have, an, they have iron chariots and though they be strong. So, what was the real problem? An evident desire to shun hardship and danger. This was a problem with the Ephraimites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Faith that should have begotten from the Ephraimites in previous battles, they didn't learn it. They had before them the most mighty general, Joshua himself. This was a man who had conquered nations as a leader of the children of Israel. He had fought battles which we haven't talked about, we're going to talk about it now. Why couldn't they exercise faith with Joshua as their leader and with God? As their leader too why is it that they couldn't exercise faith well it teaches us the lesson that there will be people too in our day who despite the remarkable evidences of god's power before them they will still fail to exercise faith were these children of ephraim not there when when jericho was conquered they were there were they not there when ai was conquered they were there were they not there when og king of bashan was destroyed they were there how about the Amorites and Sihon of Heshbon? Were they not there when these men were brought down in those cities that had high walls? They were there. They were not giving Anak, the children of Anak, to fight. It was the Canaanites. But yet, because the people had iron chariots, they ran away from the responsibility. Now, let us look at lessons that the Ephraimites could have learned from their own person, Joshua who was the leader of Israel at this time. You know, when the Gibeonites made a league with the children of Israel, after that time when they made the league, there were other nations around them who were offended because of the league that the Gibeonites made with Israel. And they determined that they were going to destroy the Gibeonites because of that league they made with them. Joshua chapter 10 verse 3 says, Wherefore Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, sent unto Hoham, king of Hebron, and unto Piram, king of Jamot, and unto Japhia, king of Lachish, and unto Deber, king of Eglon, saying, Come up unto me and help me, that we may smite Gibeon, for it had made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, so see how many kings are here, five kings of the Amorites. The king of Hebron, the king of Jarmoth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon. That is nine kings in all. With all their armies gathered themselves together and went up. And they and all their hosts and encamped before Gibeon and made war with it. 
Verse 6 And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp of Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. What did Joshua do? First of all, this time Joshua prayed, unlike before when he didn't pray. He prayed this time and the Lord told him, you can go. And then, what did Joshua do? He went immediately. Here is a lesson for us, for the Ephraimites also that they should have learned from. It says in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 507, Joshua prepared to go at once to the relief of Gibeon. The inhabitants of the besieged city had feared that he would reject their appeal because of the fraud which they had practiced. But since they had submitted to the control of Israel and had accepted the worship of God, he, that's Joshua, felt himself under obligation to protect them. He did not this time move without divine counsel, and the Lord encouraged him in the undertaking. Fear them not, was the divine message, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. By marching all night, he brought his forces before Gibeon in the morning. Scarcely had the confederate princes mustered their armies about the city when Joshua was upon them. The attack resulted in the utter discomfiture of the assailants. The immense hosts, imagine this host, just try and imagine it, nine kings with all their hosts, it was much. The immense host fled before Joshua up the mountain pass to pass to Beth Horon. And having gained the height, they rushed down the precipitous descent upon the other side. Here, a fierce hailstorm burst upon them. The Lord cast down great hailstones from heaven. They were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. While the Amorites were continuing their headlong flight, intent on finding refuge in the mountain strongholds, Joshua, looking down from the ridge above, saw that the day would be too short for the accomplishment of his work. If not fully routed, their enemies would gain, would again rally and renew the struggle. Then spake Joshua to the Lord, and he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. The sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hasted not to go down about a whole day. Wow! The Spirit of the Lord inspired Joshua's prayer that evidence might again be given to the power of Israel's God. And I'll add, not just to the power of Israel's God, but evidence should be given to the Ephraimites and every other person that there is a God. Why would the children of Ephraim be afraid to go and fight after seeing this kind of miracle done for the children of Israel? And the person being Joshua was among them, but yet they wouldn't want to go and fight people with iron chariots when they had fought nine kings with an immense host. You see, this battle of Joshua versus these nine kings is one of the greatest of battles ever fought by the Israelites. I don't think that even David fought any battle like this one. This one was a great one. The, first of all, not just the immense hosts, because these people were much, but the nature of the people that were being fought here, they were people who were men of war, mighty people, some of them giants also. 
and Joshua with the men of valor in the faith in God went there and conquered them. And you see how they got the victory? It was not by their fighting. As the people were running away, God sent hailstones from heaven to destroy them. So continuing the reading, it says, Joshua had received the promise. We want to understand why is it that Joshua made this prayer, saying the sun should stand still. There was a reason. The Lord had promised him that it was that day he was supposed to get the victory. Joshua continued the reading now. It says, Joshua had received the promise that God would surely overthrow these enemies of Israel. Yet he put forth as earnest effort, as though success depended upon the armies of Israel alone. He did all that human energy could do, and then he cried in faith for divine aid. The secret of success is the union of the divine power with human power, with human effort. Those who achieve the greatest results are those who rely most implicitly upon the Almighty Arm. The man who commanded Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon, is the man who for hours lay prostrate upon the earth in prayer in the camp of Gilgal. The men of prayer are the men of power. End of quote. This is a lesson that the Ephraimites should have learned from. This should have inspired the Ephraimites with faith, but they were afraid of the iron chariots. But what more do we learn from this Joshua's conquest? We learn this, the lesson that when the Lord bids us to do a work, we must not just depend on God as though we have no work to do of ourselves. Joshua worked as though all the success of the work depended on him and his own planning and strategy and work. And then he prayed as though all the success of the battle depended on God alone. This is the combination of human power to the utmost and divine power to the utmost. The Lord will help us when we, by our faith, show it when we show our faith by our works. And another lesson we want to learn, which I mentioned yesterday and it's still repeating itself today. We see that when the Lord told Joshua, I will give them into thy hand, he did not relax and say, okay, the Lord has promised me, let me take my time. All night, he marched to Gibeon. Remember what Caleb told the children of Israel when they came back from the from spying Canaan? He told them, let us go up at once. Let us not waste time. Let us go now. It is very important that we learn the lesson of promptness. Joshua was prompt. You see, the delay of the Ephraimites in going to take the land, the portion of the land, to conquer that land that was given to them, made their work more difficult and more difficult and we will eventually find that this delay was dangerous and with time because of their lack of faith the plan of God for Israel was not fulfilled we need to learn the lesson of promptness when the Lord gives us a work to do Joshua went all night and in doing that he surprised the forces of the enemy they were not prepared and they lost that battle because they were surprised to see Joshua in the morning they had not finished preparing and gathering themselves they were still surrounding Gibeon but by morning time lo and behold here was Joshua ready to fight them even though they were not though they were not ready what could they do than to flee this is a lesson for us also when the Lord gives us a work to do reading from testimonies volume 3 page 497 paragraph 3 we are told sometimes various ways and purposes different modes of operation in connection with the work of God are about evenly balanced in the mind. 
But it is at this very point that the nicest discrimination is necessary. And if anything is accomplished to the purpose, it must be done at the golden moment. The slightest inclination of the weight in the balance should be seen and should determine the matter at once. Long delays tire the angels. It is even more excusable to make a wrong decision sometimes than to be continually in a wavering position, to be hesitating, sometimes inclined in one direction, then in another. More perplexity and wretchedness result from thoughts hesitating and doubting than from sometimes moving too hastily. I have been shown that the most signal victories and the most fearful defeats have been on the turn of minutes. God requires promptness of action. Delays, doubtings, hesitation, and indecision frequently give the enemy every advantage. My brother, you need to reform. The timing of things may tell much in favor of truth. Victories are frequently lost through delays. There will be crisis in this course. Prompt and decisive action at the right time will gain glorious triumphs. While delay and neglect will result in great failures and positive dishonor to God. Rapid movements at the critical moment often disarm the enemy and he is disappointed and vanquished for he had expected time to lay plans and work by artifice. God wants men connected with his work in Battle Creek whose judgment is at hand, whose minds when it is necessary will act like the lightnings. The greatest promptness is positively necessary in the hour of peril and danger. Every man may be well laid to accomplish certain results and yet a delay of a very short time may leave things to assume an entirely different shape. And the great objects which might have been gained are lost through lack of quick foresight and prompt dispatch. Much may be done in training the mind to overcome indolence. There are times when caution and great deliberation are necessary. Rashness will be folly. But even here, much has been lost by true great hesitancy. Caution up to a certain point is required. But hesitancy and policy on particular occasions have been more disastrous than would have been a failure through rashness. Amen. So here is the lesson for all of us today. The delay of the Ephraimites in going to take that land, that time they were wasting going to tell Joshua, oh, the land is too small for us and hesitating. It was strengthening their enemies the more. And you find out eventually that the Ephraimites of all people were one of the people who did not do what the Lord asked them to do in driving out the people. We should learn the lesson of faith in God and prompt action. Also, the lesson of combination of the human effort to the utmost as though success depended on it alone and the prayer as though success depended on God alone. There will be those who lack the faith and courage to fulfill the requirements the Lord has asked us to do. There will be battles to fight and we are not to shrink from the rootlessness required in order to get the victory. The hardship shown by the Ephraimites is what was needed to overcome. Though we are to overcome by faith, faith without works is dead. The Bible tells us that the kingdom of God suffered violence and the violence taken by force. You see, the children of Ephraim were softies. They were not people who were accustomed to that kind of thing. And they shrank from the hardship that was needed to gain that land, though it was the most fruitful of it. Some of us today, when we hear of the kingdom of God and its beauties, we know that it is hard work to get the victory. Jesus said, narrow is the way and straight is the gate that needs to life. That is, it is difficult. 
many people shrink from the difficulty necessary to gain the victory because to them it is too hard for their hearts to take to do the work they are so emotional oh no i can't do this sometimes we need to make decisions that are as if we are killing people but yet we have to do them nevertheless decisions that look like violence radical decisions are like the fighting the like fighting the iron chariots of canaan sometimes our parents may be the iron chariots of canaan we may have to separate from our spouses not that we divorce them or separate from a house but our lifestyle may be we may need to have a different lifestyle from our spouse this is like the violence that we need to do like the Ephraimite. some shrink from it and say no i cannot do it ah it's too difficult for me separation from the spouse change of friends staying away from the worldly schools going head to head with the peer with our parents so that we can maintain the right things denying self and its desires and its cravings choosing the right diet the right dress braving the world's cold frown changing the day that we worship to the right day stipulated in the commandments of god all these decisions will look like hardship like it did to the ephraimites because of the division it is going to cause jesus said do you think i came to send peace on the earth think not that i came to send peace i came to send division henceforth father shall be against son and mother against daughter this is the work that we need to do and this is the reason why we are told the kingdom of god suffered violence and the violence take it by force reading from youth instructor may 24 1900 paragraph 2 it says many very many are making a fatal mistake by failing to heed this lesson of god's providence peace and rest can be secured only by conflict the powers of light and darkness are in array and we must individually take a part in the struggle talking about jacob it says he wrestled for hours but gained nothing over his opponent and he dared not relax his efforts for one moment lest he should be overcome and lose his life thus the contest went on until the dawn of the day and neither had gained the victory then the stranger brought the conflict to a close he touched the tie of jacob and the wrestler's strength was paralyzed it was not until then that jacob learned who his opponent really was and failing crippled and weeping on his neck he pleaded for his life the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violence take it by force the violence takes in the whole heart to be double-minded is to be unstable resolution self-denial and consecrated efforts are required for the work of preparation the understanding and the conscience may be united but if the will is not set to work we shall make a failure every faculty and feeling must be engaged ardor and earnest prayer must take the place of listlessness and indifference only by earnest determined effort and faith in the merits of christ can we overcome and gain the kingdom of heaven our time for work is short christ is soon to come the second time may god help those who have heard the warning message to remember that the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent take it by force and of quote here we are told that we should realize that it is it takes a conflict it takes hardship it takes us to make radical decisions in order for us to inherit the kingdom of god and this is what the ephraimites did not want to do are you like the ephraimites do you look at the decisions you need to make and you're feeling no i can't separate from family i can't do this i can't do that 
you need to learn that we must do what the Lord has asked us to do. Is this going to cost you some separating from family, making some tough decisions that look so hard? You have to do it. Luke 14, reading from verse 25 to 27, Jesus said, when he says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. We must consider these things. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. We have a cross to bear. We have difficulties and hardships to pass through if we must inherit the kingdom. Let us not shrink away from it. The reason why the Ephraimites were shrinking was most likely they were not trusting, looking to the past of how the Lord had led them. Reading from Life Sketches, page 196, paragraph 2, we are told, and I quote, In reviewing our past history, having traveled over every step of advance to our present standing, I can say, praise God, as I see what the Lord has wrought, I am filled with astonishment and with confidence in Christ as leader. We have nothing to fear for the future, except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and his teaching in our past history. End of quote. The children of Ephraim forgot the way the Lord had led them. They forgot the battle on the valley of Ajalon and in Gibeon, how the Lord gave them the victory. They forgot the conquering of Jericho. They forgot the conquering of Og, king of Bashan, and of the Amorites, and of Sihon, of Heshbon. They forgot these things. If they only remembered and thought about it, they would have encouraged themselves and said, Even though they are iron chariots here, the Lord will give us the victory. I will not look to my strength, but I will look to the Lord who has led us in our past, and I will go and possess the land. Let us not forget the victories that the Lord has given us in our own past experiences. You had some challenges in your life, sins that beset you, and today you have changed. Where did the power come from for you to start practicing the truth? Even if it's just a small change in your life, use that to build faith. Understand that it was the Lord who helped you, and he who gave you the victory over the previous challenges in your life can give you the victory over the iron chariots in your life. Do not forget the past. We have nothing to fear for the future for the iron chariots, except as we shall forget how God gave us victory over the nine kings of the Amorites and of those other nations, and how the Lord gave us victory over Jericho and Og, king of Bashan, and all other sins in our life. When we forget, that's when we'll start to fear for the future. Let us not fear, but go and conquer our own iron chariots and we must understand that there is hardship to face and one of the violence that we need to do is in prayer reading from ye shall receive power page 27 paragraph 3 we are told the a deep sense of our need and a great desire for the things for which we ask must characterize our prayers else they will not be heard but we are not to become weary and seize our petitions because the answer is not immediately received the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violence taken by force, Matthew 11 verse 12. The violence here meant is a holy earnestness such as Jacob manifested. We need not try to work ourselves up into an intense feeling, but calmly, persistently, we are to press our petitions at the throne of grace. Our work is to humble our souls before God, confessing our sins and in faith drawing nigh unto God. 
the Lord answered the prayer of Daniel, not that Daniel might glorify himself, but that the blessing might reflect glory to God. It is the design of God to reveal himself in his providence and in his grace. The object of our prayers must be the glory of God, not the glorification of ourselves." End of quote. So, violence referred to is part, part of the violence referred to is prayer. Let us pray to the Lord calmly, persistently, and the kingdom of God suffered that kind of violence. And if we continue, the forceful prayer, the persistent prayer, not forced by the sound of your voice and the tone of your voice and shouting at the Lord, no. The persistent prayer, that's the force being referred to, will be heard of the Lord and we shall gain the victory over the iron chariots in our lives. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for the lessons you've taught us. We may be in situations where we, we are afraid. Lord, please give us encouragement from these words we have heard. And no matter the sin in our lives, no matter the obstacles to our progress in victory over sin and in going to our heavenly Canaan, that you help us to remember how you have led others in the past and how you have led us in the past and that we can gain the victory. Please encourage us, I pray. Strengthen your children. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.